0: you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Well, good morning, good to see y'all on the campus and those joining us online, wherever you might be. Glad that we're together. Hey, grab your Bible or turn on your digital device and join me in Matthew 16. And the question on the screen this morning is an important question. Who do you say God is? Not who your parents say God is, not who the pastor, the preacher, the priest, the rabbi Who do you, your life experiences, your opinions, your thoughts, who do you say God is? That question might be the most important question we could ever ask ourselves. It might actually be the most important thing about you. I I mean, there are a lot of important things about us, right? You know, who we are, our, our preferences, our tastes, our career, our education, our wins, our losses. There's a lot of really important things about you. But perhaps potentially, on top of all of that, who you think God is could be the most important thing about you because it shapes all of our other decisions, how we feel, how we experience, how we travel, how we walk through this thing called life. And that question this morning, it's not just a question asked by a guy named Mark in Ocala, Florida. It's the question that Jesus asked 2000 years ago. And I realize maybe this morning, Jesus is your savior. Maybe he's Not, Uh, maybe you're interested and you're curious about Jesus, or maybe not so much. But this man Jesus, who lived on this earth, no one disputes that. He asked a group of people the very same question two thousand years ago. Here, check it out in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, let's pause for a second because this is really important. Because this region of, of, of Caesarea Philippi, it, it was known much like perhaps if you were in Miami. And when you step out in Miami, people kind of asking, who is that? As they dress and as they drive, or you're in Los Angeles, or so to speak, a, a red carpet event. People are looking and they're saying, wait a second, Who is that person? What's their their value? Jesus is asking a similar question about himself. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus comes back and says, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. I'm not interested in them. Who do you? I'm saying, who do you? I mean, you. I mean, who do you say that God is? There were lots of opinions on that day. A lot of different perspectives. Down at the coffee shop, people kind of talking, and this person said one thing, and this person said that, and and, and nothing's changed today. If you had a conversation about who God is uh, in our community, even in this gathering, one person might say, well, I kind of think he's kind of like this, and well, I think he's more like this or like this. I, I mean, the, the question is in play even today. And some would say, yo, I don't know. He's the big guy upstairs, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? And I just hope I get more good (laughs) than I get bad in this life. This question, who do you say that God is? Now now hear me, and I'm not saying this as though somehow I'm better than anybody else. But in my mind, as I've thought about this, I thought, if people just knew God the way that I knew him, they believe him. If people had the same picture in their mind of who God is, like, like I'm just telling you, on your middle school campus, they would all be following after God. That, that, like in across our state and in our world, that if people had the same picture that I have in my mind about who God is, they would be following after him. But it really comes down to that picture. And I think sometimes we just don't know what God looks like. It was the late 90s. And uh, before the internet, there actually was a world before internet. And uh, I was flying out to Seattle, Washington. I was going to be uh, speaking out there and, uh, for the National Cancer Awareness Month. And, and I had a driver that was going to pick me up at the airport. Now, some of you won't understand this, but there was a time when you would fly to an airport. And right at the gate... They would come and be able to visit you. Like they could, they didn't have to have a ticket. There was no TSA. Really? Yeah, there really was. There was a time, right? And th- there was no internet, and the person didn't know what I looked like. And so I got off the plane, right? And I got my bag and I'm walking. And, and there he is. He's holding a sign. Mr. Mark D. Cummins. And that walk, hey, that's me. That's me. He did not know what I looked like. He didn't have a picture to see who I was. And I think, I think, I think a lot of our family, a lot of our friends, a lot of our teammates, a lot of our coworkers, they don't have a picture of who God is. Maybe they actually have a wrong picture of God. And the reason they don't lean in and tip in is because they got this picture. That maybe it's the picture of a, of a cop. You know what I'm talking about, right? Sitting on the side of the road, we call him a speed trap. Just waiting for you to come zipping on by. And you know how your heart begins to race and you see those lights in your river mirror and you pull to the side and he walks up and you put your window down and he says, license and registration please." And you're like, oh, no warning. I'm guilty. Here's your ticket, or even worse, to jail with you. You've done such bad. You're in a timeout chair forever. And we've got this picture. And listen, it's a wrong picture of God. The Bible says in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, to pull you over and say, Look at you, how could you? I can't believe this. You're arrested to jail with you. No, he came to the world to save the world through him. It's a wrong picture. It's a wrong picture to think that God is this old man sitting in the rocking chair there at Cracker Bell. You know what I'm talking about. He's lovable, but he's forgetful. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, everybody loves him some grandpa, but it's kind of like, Grandpa! You can drive the speed limit. I mean, come on. (laughs) That slow shuffle uh, that uh, detached from reality. He's just rocking away, kind of clueless of what's going on in the world. It's a wrong picture. The Bible tells us in Psalms 139 that God is omniscient. In other words, God knows everything. He he has neuroscience locked down. He's got quantum physics. There is nothing in the galaxy that our God does not know. The Bible also says that he is omnipresent. That means he's here with us right now, and with those street boys in Africa, he's there right there now as well. He's omnipresent. And by the way, in case you're wondering, let me help you out a little bit. Only God is omnipresent. The devil, Lucifer, Satan, is not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. So for me to say out loud that the devil came and tempted me, that the devil's picking on me, that means out of all the places and all the people in the world, the devil's coming and picking on me. We... We raise him to heights of authority that he does not deserve. The Bible also says that God is omnipotent. That means he is all powerful. I'm just telling you, he's bigger, stronger, faster, all knowing than anything. It's a wrong picture to think that God is an old man in the rocking chair sitting at Cracker Barrel and he's got no place to go. I tell you, it's also a wrong picture. Think that God is like a government. There are a lot of us that think that, well, God's like the government. He's a, he's a Republican, he's a Democrat, he's an independent, he's a libertarian. that that somehow God is a capitalist or God is a socialist. Somehow we get this idea that, that God has embodied himself in this authority that we know as government. The Bible says in Isaiah 46 and 9, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. It's a wrong picture to think that God, no wonder people, if you thought that God Was a government. No wonder people don't want to believe in him. If you think he's some kind of cosmic cop or he's some old man in a rocking chair. Some of us, unfortunately, and don't get me wrong, maybe the preacher had good intentions, but some of us think the picture of God is that angry preacher. You know what I'm talking about? He's standing up there behind the pulpit pulpit and he looking down at you and he's got that pit bull looking at you telling you how dirty and disgusting and despicable sinner that you are and sinner sinner if you don't repent of your sins you are going to be plucked up by your britches and you're gonna be dangled before the, the heat of hell and God's going to drop you in hell. No, if you had a picture of God like that, no wonder you're running in the opposite direction. But notice what God says in 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So that person that you're all uppity up about because they identify themselves differently than you think that they should? I want you to know something. God's patient with them. God doesn't want anybody no matter what their lifestyle is, no matter what they have smoked or snorted or injected, who they've slept with, what they've said, God is slow and patient, and he wants all people to come under repentance. God doesn't want anybody to miss out on the party of heaven, of all, of eternity. But if your picture, huh? no wonder, no wonder some of our grown kids want nothing to do with God because all they think is God is this angry preacher It's a wrong picture. Let me tell you also, it's a wrong picture of God to think that somehow he's like this fence and I'm on this side and he's on that side and I can't get to him it's a barrier it's too tall and there's no way that a guy like me or a lady like you could somehow get over it's it's an obstacle things that i've done and said that somehow i'm now on this side of the fence he's a good god i get that that that's the sunday best crowd on that side of the fence i'm on this side of the fence and i could never ever get to god it's a it's a wrong picture the very first story of our mom and dad, Adam and Eve, is a story of how they looked at God and said, God, we understand you've got an opinion about that tree, but we got our own opinion, thank you very much. And they did the very opposite that God said. And at that moment, their eyes were open. sin came into the world, and they went and hid themselves. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Hey, man didn't go looking for God. God jumped the fence and went and found Adam and Eve. I'm just telling you, it's a wrong picture. It's a wrong, it's a wrong picture to think that God is this, this fence. It's also a wrong picture to think that God is a ladder that somehow if if, if I could climb this ladder of good works and rung by rung I'll do this good thing and I won't do that bad thing and I certainly won't look at that and, and, and I won't go there and I won't associate with them and I'll climb this good ladder that somehow I could live my life in such a way rung by rung, working hard, self-disciplined. I'll do more good from this and less bad from that. And gotta look down and say, oh, no wonder you would be tired. No wonder religion would have spit up in your mouth if you had to keep climbing the ladder over and over and somehow think, I got to do something just a little bit better in order to get to God. Notice Ephesians 2 and 8. The Bible says, for it is by Grace, you have been saved. God's riches at Christ's expense. Not your good works, not your perfect church attendance card, not I've never been to that kind of party card, not I never did this kind of card. It is the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by work so that no one can boast. Otherwise, could you just picture heaven? If it was about you and I climbing a ladder, there we'd all be around the holy campfire. Someone look over at you and say, so what'd you do to get here? Well, let me tell you about the woman I was married to. And I did that. And (laughs) some lady on the other side would say, oh my goodness, I'm here. I was married to him and that's why. I mean, it would be this brag session of what I did and what I didn't do. There's nothing that we can do. It's a wrong picture. I mean, think about it. If somehow the way, if the picture of God was I have to climb this ladder, no wonder people are like, nah, thanks, but no thanks. And, and, and this picture, I realize it might be a little bit crude. might be even rude to share on a Sunday morning. But I think, I think some of us have a picture that somehow God sees us as garbage that we're no good, We've, we've made these sinful choices and we've done these things and we've said these things and we've got so much junk in the trunk of our life that there's certainly God, I mean, I've just been thrown away. I mean, my parents threw me away, my first spouse threw me away, my boss threw me away, my kids have thrown me away. I mean, I failed at this, I did this. I'm just garbage. Hear me on this. And this is one of the hardest things for good Southeastern, Ocala men and women to really believe, hello, God didn't come for the healthy. God didn't come for y'all who have it all together. See, the day that I'll realize that we really understand that God came for somebody like me is the day that when our musicians stand up here and they're singing and they're talking and we're talking about Jesus and we come unglued out here. We come unglued that, oh my goodness, a guy like me is saved by God. He has, he has done these incredible, the goodness of God, it's not a band and it's not a musician trying to pull it out of you. It's the presence of Jesus in you that you've got nothing else to do to say but look at how good and great our God is. When you understand that those images of those street boys in Africa that's you and that's me, orphaned on the streets, looked to be manipulated by somebody else, some other human being for some purpose that's of no value to our lives. But Jesus Christ came and he saw us on that street and he said to you as an orphan and you as an orphan, I want you, you're not garbage, I value you, I love you so much, I reached out to my arms on the cross at Calvary and said, I want you. Took out God's word in Luke 15. Suppose one of you, think about it, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the and 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, not if, but When he finds it, he joyfully puts on his shoulders and goes home. Then he tweets, he Instagrams, and he does a TikTok and tells all of his friends, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You and I are not garbage. You and I are the apple of God's eye. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I've done some garbage things. And I've said some garbage words. No, no doubt there are some people in your life who've done some garbage things and garbage words. But the best way to see humanity change, oh, let me say it this way. The only way to see humanity change, me and you, is to invite the presence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just on Easter Sunday, but every single day of our life. I'm just convinced that if people had the right picture. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about your coworkers and your neighbors and I'm talking about your aunts and your uncles. And I'm just saying if people had the right picture of God, it would change them. So what is a right picture of God? I'm sure there are many, and we could sit together and perhaps offer. But this morning, for illustration's sake, I, I would suggest that the right picture of God is an open door. That that God comes to you and God comes to me. And he simply wants you and me. He's not asking us to memorize a bunch of verses. He's not asking us to behave differently. He just wants us to become aware that he's on the outside of your life. He's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, I just want to come in. Would you open up the door and let me And the Bible says, Jesus says in Revelations 3 and 20, look at me, Jesus says, I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. He didn't say, I might come in. He didn't say, I'll probably come in. He didn't say, let me smell, see if you've been smoking something before I come in. He didn't say, hey, let me see what's on your TV before I come in. He didn't say, let me check out your, your Instagram post. Let me, let me look at your, your computer. He said, if you'll open the door, I'll come right in and supper with you. Is there a better picture of who God is? If God... If God is a million miles or a million steps from you, God will walk 999,999 steps towards you. And he just says, would you just take that one step and open the door to me? I know so many people have had the wrong picture. Hear me. Not just people who are on the other side of the tracks, in your opinion. There are a lot of church-going folk who've had the wrong picture of God. That's why there's no joy in your life. That's why there's no excitement. I said to the staff this morning, we have never been on the 23rd day of January 2022 before. Never, ever, neither of you. Unfortunately, in your job and even in pastoral positions, you kind of show up and it's like, I got this. I've done this before. And you just go through the motions. And so what I challenged the staff was this morning is, listen, let's show up on our campus like a child at Disney for the first time. Eyes wide open, Filled with discovery and experiences and mom look at this and, mom can we go there and dad can we get here could you imagine i think the reason most of us don't show up in our everyday life that way with god in the open door is because he got a wrong picture I'm telling you, if you think God is a cop, no wonder you don't want to spend no time. If he's a ladder that you got to keep climbing, no wonder you're not excited to get up and to binge on the Bible, and you're going to binge on Netflix. No wonder if you think he's a fence that you got to try to jump over, but you never can quite get high enough. Oh, but if we leave today believing that he's an open door, and he's just inviting me to open the door, I know there'll be some of you this morning like, listen, Mark, that's the kind of God that I, that I want. That kind of God who, who would forgive me, that doesn't see my decisions and my choices as, as a bunch of junk in my trunk. I, I'd like to have that kind of God in my life. Here, let's go back to the story we started 20 minutes ago in Matthew 16. Remember, Jesus says, yo, guys, Who do these people say that I am? Oh, man. Some say that you're Ezekiel. Some say that you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And then he says, oh, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say God is? Oh, oh, he's the guy at that place that I go on Sundays. Oh, Oh, he's that Christmas moment. He's that Easter moment. Oh, he's that rule that I better not break. He's that obligation that I bet. Notice how Simon Peter answered in verse 16. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Yeah. Ho ho! That's a game changer. That's a life changer. Everything in your life begins to change when you live in a marriage. Jesus is the Messiah. When you step off on your campus tomorrow, when you go to your AAU practice and you step on that court, wherever you go, wherever you are, you live life through the lens that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of the living God. When the ladies and their children graduate from Project Hope and they step out into life, they can have all kinds of skills of how to put together a budget and put together a resume and how to manage a home. But when those ladies and and her children, they step out in life and they say, I'll tell you one thing that I know, Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. Your son and your daughter, they can have a perfect SAT score. They can be recruited to play at your SEC school. All that's good. But when they step out into life and they believe deep down inside of them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, I'm telling you, that is victory. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you're ready. All I know, right where you're sitting, where you're with me online, maybe for the first time, or some of y'all, it's a wake-up call. It's it's, a, it's it's I'm standing back up. Yeah, I've been going through the motions. Yeah, I know that God was kind of there and he was Jesus, but he, hey, I, I've had the wrong picture. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. The question this morning is, will you open up the door? Either for the very first time or maybe you've just kind of had it kind of, you know what I mean, you know how it is. You, you're not really sure. You, you've opened it. Let's be honest. You opened it. Hey, hey you still had that little chain lock on. Oh yeah, he knocked on the door of your heart back in vacation Bible school 6,000 years ago. Maybe it was at a youth camp. Maybe it was a Billy Graham rally. Yeah, yeah you, you cracked the door, but he, here's been your experience with God. Hey, some of you need to reach up to that little chain. You need to slide it in. Pull it out, let it dangle. Come on in, Jesus. Right where you're sitting, just say, Jesus, here I am. The door is open. You come in. Uh, PMC, what do I need to do next? Well, uh, hey, hey, you ain't gotta do nothing next. Let me tell you something. When you sit down and have a meal with Jesus, (laughs) here's the good news. But I didn't prepare nothing. I don't have no pasta, no sauce. I don't have no dessert. Hey, let me tell you something. He specializes in meals that don't exist. Ask the people who who had no fish that day. And all of a sudden, 5,000 people were fed. Say in your mind, in your heart, hey, Jesus, it's me. I open the door. I've been trying to live this life. I've been trying to climb a ladder, but it's a wrong picture. I open the door. God, I've had, I thought you were a cop. You were waiting to arrest me. I thought you were a fence that I could never get over i'm so tired of this ladder i thought you were detached and just an old man but my eyes have been open today i open the door forgive me of my sins i invite you in. i believe that you jesus died on a cross and came back here let me pull that chair out for you sit down i want you the table And to all who are opening up their doors to Jesus today, I'd I'd love to help you continue to grow. You can text the word today to 63566. And hear me. Some of you, you you come week after week and you hear a guy like me say that and it just kind of rolls off the top of your head. I want to really help you grow in this year. Some of you need to text today, 6356. Or you need to take this card and fill it out and stop by Hope Connections Desk. We want to help you grow some of you you had the door opened a little bit but you let the chain keep you from letting the whole door open you're taking that chain off today i'd like to help you grow some of you need to let the whole world know that you're a father of jesus and believers baptism baptism just says out loud hey i believe that jesus died for me that he was buried and three days later he came again. And you can text that word or use this connection card. I know this, one of the best ways to keep the right picture, because if your mind's like my mind, it drifts. One of the best ways to keep the right picture of God in the forefront of your brain is to be around some like-minded people. Call it your tribe, call it your people, whatever you, your friends, small group, We'd love to help you get into a group. You don't have to do life alone. You can text the word group, and we'll help you find a group, or we'll help you start a brand-new group. There's people like you. You open up your door to other people. You've been sitting for a while. Would you, would you stand with me? Just stretch your legs for a minute. I want you to hear what I'm about to say, and then I'm going to have the, the team come, and, and we're going to just close our space. But I, I want to... I Let me retract that. We're not going to close this space. We're going to launch from this space. And we're going to come back and we're going to sing. And and I want you to use this space as a declaration of you believing that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That statement changes you. It changes your, your mindset. It changes your actions and your attitudes. So we'll use this space for that. If you want to come down to the front um, and, and kind of have that line in the sand that's, that you need, come down and we'll pray with you. You just want to be by yourself. That's cool too. Whatever, however, use these next few minutes as a launching pad. But let me just, let me just say, say this. Um, I could be wrong. My name is Mark. But I've not met many people who've come to the conclusion that the world we're living in right now is better and brighter. They use the opposite, that the world seems like it's crazy right now, and it certainly has gotten darker. And there's lots of opinions, right, about how do you make the world better and brighter? We're gonna have an election in November and somehow because there's this election and one political party's acting one way, we'll throw them out, we'll put another political party in there and then everything will get better. If I could get a better paying job, if they can bump, you know, the minimum wage from 15 to $22 an hour. I, I get it. There's lots of opinions. How, if I'm single and I could get married, if I'm in this marriage and get single again, I get it. Lots of, lots, lots of opinions of how to get better and brighter. I'd like us to start a Bible study next Sunday simply called Better and Brighter. God's got a plan. He's got a really good plan for your life. And here's what I believe. I believe that if we would step in, like Peter who said, listen, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. We step into that truth and then we allow the Spirit of living God in us to let better and brighter come out of us. Yeah. Then the neighborhood, then the city, yeah. then the county, yeah. then the state, yeah. then the country, then the world. Hey! Mr. Fauci might even get saved. I mean, who knows what God might do if you and I would choose to get better and brighter.